0: This is World to win bringing you the latest news and analysis from a socialist perspective. Welcome back everyone to world to win. We took last week off but we're here again with an exciting episode and we have four speakers here today um, all from different parts of the world so it's very very exciting episode to come back to. Yara, I haven't seen you in so long. How have you been? I know it's been crazy, hasn't
1: it? I think it's, bo- it's been really crazy in both our respective locations. So I'm looking forward to talk about this uh, in a bit. But I mean, today we're actually talking about one of the most important subjects, I think. We're obviously approaching uh, the 25th of November, uh, which is the, day for the, elimi- the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. And it's actually been declared relatively recently in 1999 by the UN, but before then, uh, there's actually been kind of uh, uh, mentioning of it and kind of marking of it in Latin America because the day is actually marking um, a a date in 1961 where three sisters and activists were murdered uh, after uh, uh, orders from the Dominican uh, dictator at the time. And I think even though there's been, uh, it's been so long since the 60s, today's women's lives and freedom to control their own bodies and the violence against us as well continues to uh, be endangered by both reactionary regimes, uh, but also regimes that pretend to be progressive all around the world. Uh, and, you know, I think in Myanmar it was very clear um, that where gender-based violence uh, was used to oppress the movement against the military coup, uh, where young women and also worki- workers, uh, women workers uh, played such a frontline role. And then, obviously, I think, Toya, you can talk about the US because there's been so much uh, that's been happening in the US to do with violence against women. Uh, you know, where, uh, and, and then we also have uh, Afghanistan, um, where just pulled pulled out um, and then the you know the lie of defending the rights of LGBTQ plus uh, people and of women just r- clearly very quickly became clear that it's a lie um, and uh, so many women and so
0: many workers and people generally are stuck there as well. But Yara, even just like not talking about what's happening all over the world, I'm really excited today to get into this idea of gender-based violence and where it comes from and like what this term actually means. You know, we talk a lot on our show about the actual atrocities that are happening, but really getting into why it's happening. I I hope some of our speakers can touch on that today.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really important, not just because we need to be educated on it and it's because it's interesting to know where it's coming from, but also, like at the end of the day, our point is to eliminate it. And as much as the UN likes to call this the day for the elimination of violence against women, we know and I think we're definitely going to talk about how and why the UN can't eliminate it and why uh, we are the only people that can eliminate it. Um, so I'm really excited to introduce our guests. We do have guests from all over the world. So I want to say hi to Odile. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks. And we also have Defane here.
2: Hi comrades.
0: And we also have Laura who is a veteran on our show. (laughs) I am not. Hi comrades. Good to see you. And we have one more speaker who wasn't able to make it. um, But we are going to watch a clip of of what she has to say. So while I have um, everyone here, Yara the reason that I haven't seen you in so long is because of cop 26 we were talking about it and talking about it this was the big convention that happened in Scotland where all of the um, you know CEOs of the oil companies got together to talk about how they're going to save the planet and I know you were there and a couple other people there so I, I want to hear all about it before we get into today's episode what was what was your your favorite part about cop 26 besides your photo on the on the front of that page whatever
1: it was yeah we were on every single paper and every single news outlet it was incredible and you know what being there it wasn't hard to tell why we had the most amazing energetic vibrant blocks i've seen in a very long time definitely on the protest and i'm saying that we still need to realize that it's uh, like a hundred thousand people strong protest right it's not it's not like we were just there on our own and it was amazing to see so many members of organization from all around the world 300 members were there and we had a block that was much larger than that because of also how energetic our block was but also, the the messages that we were putting forward, not you know, not shying away from talking about the fact that the people are in the COP, the people who the, the world leaders that are in the COP, are not there to actually do anything or change anything. You know that the biggest delegation to COP this year was uh, uh, representatives of the fossil fuel industry, for example, which obviously is ridiculous. And this this protest was amazing and uh, I think our bloc was really clear saying that what we need is not just you know vague system change, what we need is socialist change, we need to fight against the capitalist system but I know that uh, both Adil and Defane were there as well and I don't know if you agree with me if you had the same kind of like transor- transformative and like exciting and inspiring experience there
3: as well uh, Yes it was uh, it was a, a very good experience for for my for, for all of us, but for my branch, uh, we were uh, more than the half of my branch is new ne- members members since less than a year, and some of them less than a month. So it was our very first big experience, and the very first b- big experience for many comrades to see the power of organized people. I think that what was attractive in our block is that we were all one message, one program, and, 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 and one uh, set of ideas and, um, and claims. And, and it was amazing. And I'm lost for words. And yes, I, I'm very excited to continue to work with our international since, uh, since this uh, journey.
1: Wow, it's so amazing. I can't, I can't, like, I'm looking back at my first protest and imagining that protest being your first one. Like, it's a hundred, like, if you weren't there, it's a hundred thousand people. It was incredible in its, like, size, but also the messages and how radical people were. Um, And, you know, what you're saying about it being international and how important it is uh, as a block. I think, is by far what made us shine so much. And I think all of us, both individually, but also in our respective countries, have learned so much from this experience, and everyone's brought something to the table. It was just... Amazing, and, you know, my mom actually messaged me after that and uh, was asking me, so, but uh, are you going to, before that, and she was like, so, are you going to march with the uh, the, the friends from Israel, Palestine, or are you going to march with the friends from England? And I was like, no, that's not how it we works. We're all marching together. We are an international organization, and this problem is international, so we're fighting together. But I'm also interested to hear what Defaine had to say about uh, COP.
2: Well, we were three comrades from Poland, and uh, it was a bit like what Odile described, the two other comrades they joined uh, during the pandemic. So it was their first uh, occasion to meet comrades from the internationally, and uh, the biggest demos they had uh, attended. And uh, they, they came back very enthusiastic uh, with uh, everything they have learned, including uh, the, the methods we have, how we organize the blog to make it attractive. And um, But to me, one thing that was amazing was how uh, people were attracted in our blogs with the message of socialism and people were uh, really looking for what this system change can be. And it was quite, uh, um, they were quite eager to hear, uh, okay, how do we want to implement the change and start discussions about uh, uh, nationalizations and, uh, and green jobs and so on. So not only our blog was amazing in terms of, um, of um, attractivity, energy and so on, but also in terms of the political program that we could uh, bring into the demo.
0: Laura, I'm over here having FOMO. I I know you weren't there either, so I, so exciting to hear from um, the three of you what you did. But Laura, what were you doing during COP? Because I know you weren't there, and neither was I.
4: No, no, but I was marching in solidarity in Dublin. Um, but yeah, no, the 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 socialist bloc was so important, wasn't it? And. The what's come out of COP twenty-six is just this the you know whole establishment had a lot resting on trying to look like they're taking climate change seriously because the movement has put a lot of pressure on them. But I don't think they're even being able to spin it as a success because it's just such a joke. So the the absent, the, the power in the the movement, the hundred thousand, needs to be replicated in every country in the world, building a movement of indigenous people. Of young people and of workers to challenge really the the root of the problem, the profiteering of the the big big business and industry that you know are burning the planet
1: a hundred percent I think it was also so inspiring from you know Glasgow to see how literally every big city around the world was having protests at the same time and also on the Friday with the um, hour uh, with the uh, strike for a future uh, movement as well really brilliant and uh i don't want to spoil anything but if you are curious to know what we looked like and what block was like because obviously we're all talking about it so you know enthusiastically just wait till the end of this episode but don't tell anyone i told you um but now let's go back to why we're here so before we start asking all the questions and obviously we have a really brilliant kind of um, diversity of locations of people that are here with us. But we also have a pre-recorded video from one of our members in Brazil because, as we said before, uh, this day actually started um, and and is marked in Latin America. And the continent continuously, and especially in the last few years, has had massive movements against gender-based violence, uh, for abortion rights, uh, against femicide. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting to hear what Kaya has to say um, from uh, Brazil. So uh, let's watch this video now.
5: Kaya, hey, primeiramente, satisfação de estar aqui compartilhando com vocês um pouquinho da nossa realidade na América Latina. É um pouquinho porque a gente precisaria de muito mais, né? Compartilhar, fazer trocas muito mais amplas. Mas acho que é possível a gente dar conta das perguntas direcionadas a nós. Então, sim, as mulheres latinas não ficaram de fora das grandes mobilizações massivas promovidas por mulheres nas últimas décadas, e essas mobilizações têm garantido algumas conquistas bastante pontuais, e aí vale destacar que são pontuais justamente porque não há qualquer garantia para a classe trabalhadora, para as mulheres trabalhadoras, para o movimento negro, que essas conquistas serão permanentes dentro do sistema capitalista. Então, a gente precisa sempre estar em estado de alerta. Né? As mobilizações dos últimos anos na Argentina, para além de denunciar né, o aumento da violência contra as mulheres através do na Menos, elas também vêm se articulando há anos pela garantia dos direitos sexuais e reprodutivos, tiveram um êxito, finalmente, com a legalização do aborto pelo sistema público de saúde argentino, as mulheres no México também avançaram nesse sentido. No Chile, nós tivemos aí exemplos massivos né, onda de, de mulheres, juventude, classe trabalhadora, denunciando né, os desmandos do governo em relação à questão da pandemia da Covid-19, essa horda de mulheres na rua foi possível fazer com que o governo se comprometesse com a construção de uma constituinte após anos de ditadura, uma constituinte que ainda era da época da ditadura de Pinochet. Nessa nova conformação da constituinte, as mulheres são maioria e a primeira líder Indicada foi uma mulher Mapuche, que acho que demonstra a força né, dos movimentos sociais, do movimento Mapuche também, na tentativa de construir uma nova versão né, do seu estatuto nacional, que garanta os direitos dos povos originários da Colômbia também. A gente tem visto, no Chile, no caso, a gente tem visto né, na Colômbia as mulheres denunciando também atos de rua massivos é, a opressão do braço armado do Estado é, cujas forças policiais tem violentado sexualmente as ativistas é, que compõem aí né, grandes movimentos de rua denunciando o governo então é importante que essa denúncia ela ganhe uma repercussão nacional, foram mais de 113 casos de estupros registrados durante as manifestações por essas forças de segurança e o movimento abraçou e vem denunciando isso também é, e pedindo o fim dessas violências entre as suas pautas de reivindicações. No Brasil, o mapa da violência, que é o um indicador é, é, interno que nós temos, né, ele tem demonstrado um aumento de 22% nos casos de feminicídio entre as brasileiras alguns estados do país, como o Acre, que é composto 70% da sua população por mulheres, por pessoas negras, então mulheres negras e indígenas formam esse contingente populacional do Acre, cujo aumento do feminicídio foi na casa dos 300%. Então a gente precisa de fato denunciar Porque na pandemia, essas situações de violência, violência política, violência de gênero, têm se demonstrado de forma muito mais agressiva contra as mulheres. Segundo dados da ONU, você tem cerca de 118 milhões de mulheres latinas abaixo da linha da pobreza. Significa também dizer com esse dado né, que a pandemia escancarou as desigualdades sociais existentes entre as mulheres e que torna cada vez mais difícil para essas mulheres abaixo da linha da pobreza romper com diversos ciclos múltiplos de violência, sobretudo para as mulheres negras e para as mulheres indígenas. No Brasil, não bastasse né, já essa questão da pandemia, Nós estamos vivendo sobre um governo que é o governo Bolsonaro de extrema direita né, e que tem prejudicado muito a a nossa condição de vida enquanto mulheres, enquanto negros, enquanto população indígena. É um governo que tem, através de suas falas e ações, estimulado que seus seguidores pratiquem diversas formas de violência contra esses setores que já são... há mais de anos né, perseguidos e excluídos dentro do Estado então as mulheres a população negra que sofrem essas constantes violências tem tentado forjar formas de resistir Né, a esse atentado contra suas próprias vidas, contra suas próprias existências, que estão para além das questões colocadas aí pelas desigualdades econômicas né, que nós vivemos. Então agora no 20 de novembro os movimentos organizados estão chamando né, um grande ato nacional pelo Fora Bolsonaro e para denunciar o racismo estrutural que submete a populações a situ- população negra sobretudo, sobretudo as mulheres, as situações de desigualdades extremas. Então, 20 de novembro para nós é a data de morte de zumbi dos Palmares e é a data que representa a consciência negra, né? Pra, além do fora-Bolsonaro, do fora-Bolsonarismo, a gente precisa denunciar o racismo como parte estrutural desse sistema capitalista, que, portanto, o próprio sistema ele precisa ser superado para que as mulheres e homens negros e indígenas, de fato, possam ser livres. E aí é uma tarefa nossa dos movimentos de esquerda, das mulheres, das lutadoras e lutadores socialistas, é, encamparem e disputarem o feminismo na perspectiva antirracista, na perspectiva socialista e apresentar de fato um programa que garanta para nós promoção da nossa vida, promoção das nossas de trabalho, promoção promoção de dignidade para toda a população independente né, de, de raça, de gênero, de cor e isso só será possível dentro de uma sociedade socialista.
0: So, like Yara mentioned, um, you know, we're celebrating a day that uh, started in Latin America, so it was so great to hear from Katia, um, you know, being down in Brazil, and unfortunately, she couldn't make it with us, but I'm glad that she was able to send us in a video. Um, So, I'm going to focus now my next question a little bit more specifically on the question of abortion. We have with us Tiefen, who's from Poland, and we've talked to Tiefen before, so I'm so glad you're with us again. Um, But about the question of of, uh, abortion, you know, Polish women and the Polish working class in general have really led the way in some respects on how to fight uh, abortion, and you know. It, I'm in the U.S., and the, the, the question of the right to abortion is uh, being attacked right now. Um, we had an episode on it a few weeks ago, um, so if you missed it, make sure you check it out. We had um, Grace on the show, who organized a protest in Texas against this uh, very oppressive abortion ban, which says basically that um, after six weeks... Um, a woman can't get an abortion and many of us know, sometimes you don't even know at six weeks that you're, that you're um, pregnant. But really this court case is very interesting and could be groundbreaking because it doesn't say that women cannot get an abortion. What it says is that private citizens, anyone, can sue whoever participated in the woman getting the abortion. Not the woman herself, but the abortion clinic, the Uber driver the mom who lent her the money, right? All of these people are at risk of being sued. Um, So it's an interesting way that, interesting is the wrong word, it's a manipulative way that they're trying to get around um, the fact that we did win the right to abortion um, in the 70s. I mean, it just really shows though that even if we do win the right to something in 1970, whatever, they still can take it away and we still need to have fundamental change. But unfortunately, right now in the US, we're not seeing this huge movement around um, protecting the access uh, that women have to abortion. We are seeing small cases, people are talking about it, but it's not really generating movement. So, Tiefen, I I want you to talk a little bit more about uh, what has happened in Poland over the past period, because I remember seeing these inspirational protests of, you know, thousands of people in the streets defending uh, uh, the rights of women to have reproductive access.
2: Well, just one year ago, it's, we started to have, as uh, a Toya described, a very um, inspirational movement here in Poland, um, with um, uh, a mood of um, uh, uh, that went from the demand of, uh, of abortion rights to the to the demand of, uh, of overturning the government. Actually, this is how far people were angry at this government that uh, is building a, a hell for women, as we say here. But um, uh, the government managed to uh, implement a ban on abortion in case of fetal defect uh, in last um, uh, February. And uh, two months ago, um, unfortunately, a woman died as a result of this law because she was 20 weeks pregnant. There was a fetal defect and the, the, the clinic couldn't provide her for an abortion that she needed to save her life um, because the, the fetus was not uh, technically dead. And uh, she died after that as a result of uh, sepsis. Um, and when this information was uh, raised in the press, there started to be a huge wave of anger again in Poland, with uh, thousands demonstrating in the in the streets of the of the bigger cities. Uh, the main slogan being uh, "Not one more." Uh, people call this uh, the first death of uh, the abortion ban, even if it's actually not. The first death due to the um, the restricted law on abortion in Poland, and it's certainly not the, the first um, uh, the first time a, a woman's life is destroyed. Um, but this time, uh, the focus is more on uh, on uh, on a quiet resistance and on um, proposing women to um, to uh, to have to, solutions to have an underground abortion and. The, the 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 level of struggle has not yet reached uh, the levels that we have seen last year. Um, in, in the same time, the government has attacked the working class on different fronts. Um, uh, the, the hospitals' workers are uh, are fighting for their conditions, so are the teachers and many other sectors. So last year, when uh, the the People were actually talking about a strike of women for abortion rights. We were arguing that what we needed was a general strike that would be organized in the workplaces, with uh, within the working class, and so on. And uh, here again, there is a question that all those fronts that the these reactionary governments uh, as open should um, uh, come in solidarity together to fight for uh, for those jobs, for better uh, public services, uh, for um, and, uh, and of course for the right of a woman to um, to decide for her own body um, I uh, wanted to add that the what the government is doing to women is not only um, uh, is not only uh, uh, very dangerous and uh, and violent it is also very insulting because um, when uh, the the information that this young woman isa had died due to the laws they had passed they um, they declared things like, uh, yes, women die in childbirth sometimes, just showing how little they care about the lives of women. Um, one of the solutions for women who have to give birth to a um, to, um, non-viable child rather than getting an abortion was to propose uh, crying rooms in the hospital so that a woman in this situation can get some privacy to cry about it. So all this... Um, this... Uh, um, this... This um, uh, um, all these insults towards women actually have really angered the population, and now we have. Um, uh, I maybe you have heard of it: a crisis at the border with Belarus, where the um, the, the government is actually playing human lives in their uh, in their um, uh, po- politics, and um, this is also actually. Angering people, and there has been some solidarity by the Polish people at the um, at the border, together with the, with the migrants. So uh, I just want to conclude that the only way we can actually fight this very violent state, the, the violence they have against women and against migrants, against the working class, and uh, and uh, all the oppressed in the population, is to come to, together and build the solidarity of the working class against this government, but also the capitalist class that they represent.
1: Thank you, Feng. It's, it's actually always really interesting to hear about what's happening, uh, specifically in Poland, but generally around the world with uh, abortion rights. I feel like it's one of these issues that keep being attacked and attacked and attacked, and it's, I think gain clearer to women that mass movements are the only way to continue uh, getting these rights. Um, So thank you so much for talking about it, but I also want to talk about another huge kind of movement That's developed across the world in the past ten years or so which is obviously the movement against uh, gender-based violence and You know recently in the last year we have seen in the UK uh, the mass movement uh, that uh, uh, developed after the horrendous Sarah Everard murder, Uh, uh, she was murdered after uh, uh, basically uh, a police officer uh, pretended to arrest her. Um, And it was uh, uh, horrendous and got loads of people out in the streets and here in in Ireland as well. Uh, But also, you know, we've seen these movements in Latin America, like we talked about, seen these movements all across the world, world, really. Um, And recently in October, there were several protests in Belgium uh, after there were complaints that came out about women having been raped after the drinks were spiked. And actually, it's really interesting. I'm really looking forward to hear about this because uh, there's actually a, a uh, a lot of stuff like that in the news in the UK as well right now. And it's it's interesting to see if something uh, similar to those mass protests in Belgium develops here as well. So we've got Adil here who is from Liège in Belgium, who is a student and she is also an activist with Rosa and uh, the ISA in Belgium. So can you tell us a little bit more about, first of all, what has happened in Belgium
3: and the protests and the movement and what's needed? Mm, yes, of course, uh, in the hands, uh, a demonstration of 600 people took place in reaction of two cases of drugging and rape, as you said. In Brussels, the police waited for 17 complaints of sexual assault related to two bars, and the pressure of a mass movement to finally react. These kinds of complaints are not taken are not taken seriously by the police. It shows that you can have as many laws as you like. If the justice doesn't deal with the complaints, nothing happens. The demonstrations were attended by hundreds of people, and it shows something interesting that shame has changed side. Ten years ago, victims of sexism would not have dared to speak out because they would have been faced with victim blaming. Now young women just don't accept that anymore, and they feel strengthened and inspired by the international movement against gender-based violence. Of Europeans, 27% of Europeans believe that gender-based violence is acceptable in certain circumstances. This is sickening. It sends a signal to the perpetrator that he is not guilty. It is the woman who is creating the sexism. It is the victim who provoked him by wearing a skirt, dancing with him, or asking him to walk her home because she was afraid of going home alone. And rather than asking, why wasn't there a bus to take you home? Or why are women walking alone harassed as if there were sexual objects? What do we receive? We, ser- we receive a sentence like, what were you doing there alone at that time? Why were you so drunk? Why were you wearing that outfit? And that's sickening. <laughs> and when people are repeatedly harassed when they go out and then blamed for it, it is normal that they try to, end, to not end up in such situation. This sexist and violent society pushes more and more people to look for safe space. Like the Blonde Café in Ghent, which received a lot of media attention after demanding the departure of cisgender men, customers during a party. And feminism as a movement of struggle, we must organize to achieve an ambitious goal, a safe space, but not limited in space, time, or certain groups, but that extends to the whole of society. And we must continue to mobilize and build a feminist movement to show that we do not accept the violence. We must demand reelection, and the means to make it effective, such as proper training about gender-based violence for local police, educators, medical staff, decent and publicly financed victim support, but also investment in education, so that topics such as sexism and mutual consent can be addressed in school. We also ask affordable housing, so that women and gender non-confirming people can live on their own and escape their abusive partners or families. And we obviously need to fight for good jobs with good working conditions, which in Belgium includes a minimum wage of 14 euros per hour. We desperately need more public investment, but more than that, we need a society where the material basis for inequality and discrimination no longer exists. As long as the capitalist system exists, and the logic of profit reigns, women will occupy a secondary position in society and their bodies will be considered and commodities and violence will occur and violence will last and rigid and unhealthy gender norms will prevail. And that is why of 25th of November in the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, we will go to the streets all around the world because the feminist socialist Rosen campaign and defend another social, another society, a socialist society.
1: Thank you so much for this, Adia. I think these were like really interesting things that you were saying. And I've been thinking about them a lot recently because I did my masters um, a few years ago, like seven years ago, not that long ago, actually. And what I did in my dissertation was actually, I was uh, interviewing women and asking them, uh, like giving them all sorts of situations, and they were telling me if they thought it was sexual assault, if they thought it was rape, if they thought it was okay. And I was actually shocked by how many women were seeing kind of rape as these kind of myths that were that you just talked about about how like it has to be violent or it has like it, it has to be kind of like a perfect victim, like a virgin who's not walking along in, alone at night, who's dressed all like I uh, you know. Respectfully, whatever that means um, But I actually really agree with you that now the perception has changed I think if I did the exact same research today, which again, it wasn't that long ago when I when I did it the first time I think the answers that I, um, I would get are completely different And I think it's all to do with the movements that we've seen in the last uh, few years uh, The Me Too movement and in particular, but generally... Uh, the movements, again, in Latin America as well and all around the world that we were talking about. So it was really, really interesting for me
3: to hear that. I totally agree. I, I lived Me Too movement in the beginning of my teenage years. So I, I I lived in the duality of what my parents taught me, what my school taught me, what the, my, my, the entire culture taught me about uh, about uh, uh, rape culture and about what was exploding, the movement that was exploding and the liberation of of, of, of women and non non gender conforming people who were talking, and I I, th- I I I think that I never believed in uh, in the fact that uh, when you when when you when you live a rape it's not a rape because my first encounter with uh, with sexual uh, ideas was feminist sexual ideas because I, I, I grew up as a teenager in this uh, in this massive explosion of uh, liberation of talk. So um, it, it, we can see that in the fact that we're, there are more, more and more and more protests because our generation, we, 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 we've been always in this pro- protesting against, uh, against, um, against sexism and against gender-based violence. Oh, deal!
0: That's so inspiring to hear. Like, it's always interesting to me, you know, what radicalizes people and when they grew up. And like, growing up during the, you know, uh, uh, Me Too and feminist movement, uh, you know, that happened five, six, seven years ago, it must have been, you know, a freeing time to grow up, if you will. But you ended. Yeah, it's so awesome. But you ended with talking about gender-based violence. And again, this is a term that's a little new to me and maybe to a lot of our viewers and listeners. So, Laura, can you talk a little bit about what gender based violence means and why it happens?
4: Big, big question, Toya, but I'll try and answer it. I'll just say that it gender based violence is a broad umbrella term that it will bring in all types of, of macho violence. Um, all types of violence, harassment, abuse that affects uh, women—in be it domestic violence, interpersonal violence—that affects uh, the trans community, that sometimes affects children and families, and so on with abusive parents. Um, and, uh, it, you know, where it comes from, we, we also draw a link. The movements in Latin America, the mass movements in Latin America that um, Yara opened with today, that Katya gave us an insight into, one of the things that the movement has always done is linked um intimate partner violence and gender violence to the state violence that occurs it's a huge fa- um factor of the movement in Chile their slogan is the rapist is you and it's aimed at the whole state and judicial system that you know obviously <laughs> held up a dictatorship with extreme violence for so long but also you know victim blames and is a, a space and a place in which people um uh, uh, victims and survivors can never get any ju- never get any justice um in terms of where it comes from, I think like one of the things, if you look at Yara, the, I just said Yara, sorry, Yara, uh, sorry, sorry, Toya. If you look, Toya, at, um uh, you know, what happened in the COVID pandemic, because actually what you've seen is the intensification of so many existing inequalities in the system. Um, and specifically in terms of women, one of the huge things is an explosion of gender violence, a, 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 an intensification of oppression and exploitation. You know, it's been women workers on the front line fighting the virus, you know, for, for the most part in healthcare and so on. Um, and similarly, you know, locked lockdowns have been a time of the explosion of gender violence everywhere. And and that is part and parcel of of one of the, the 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 ways in which capitalism has gender violence rooted into it, which is the, the promotion of um uh you know the 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 if you like patriarchal family or the traditional family and the ideas behind that that put you know women's place as as unpaid carers and that uh you know utilizes women as a source of um. Uh, you know, a, a way to reproduce the labor force for capitalism, including through the care work that they do without getting paid. So much ways in the world, and that sort of creates an an inequality, and that inequality is backed up then by so many ways in which sexist and misogynistic ideas are um are are are, are propagated and reproduced.
1: A hundred percent, Laura, and I think I've actually just been reading um Emily Ratajkowski's new book uh, called My Body. And it's really brilliant that it talks exactly about what you're saying, that, like, the system is based on using women as objects. Um, If if anyone watching doesn't know, Emily Ratajkowski is, like, a really famous model who's done a lot of, like, uh, nude shoots as well. And she really describes this kind of alienation from our bodies that women experience and how from like the age of zero all we hear about is how we need to be sexual and how, to, how we need to be beautiful but then there's also this double standard that if you're beautiful and sexual then you, you 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 know they're allowed to rape you they're allowed to murder you they're allowed to do whatever they want and like the things that she's talking about are also really interesting in the context in the, the context of what we're talking about about class and about how money plays such a big role in that. And, you know, I think it's like you said, the the COVID pandemic really showed how, you know, poor women, women on the front lines, working women were the most likely to be harmed by this pandemic, but also the domestic violence rates uh, were going up. And then at the same time, when we were fighting against it, like with the Sarah Everard case that I, I was talking about earlier, then the state was attacking our protests and attacking the women who are fighting back against it.
4: Absolutely and um, concretely Rosa activists in Ireland were fined for organising a socially distant standout to call for action on for emergency action to halt gender violence um, uh, you know at the height of the pandemic or whatever they're fined for doing that and a, a, a few weeks later it emerged that this this state scandal that thousands and thousands of 999 emergency calls pertaining to the domestic violence disclosures were being cancelled by the the cops here the we call them the guardie by the police here in ireland so you know absolutely what you say is very important and i'd say other things it's like you you talked about um emily the the supermodel who has this new book out that I haven't read, but I've read about it. Um, I, I, another really important thing, maybe to allude to, connected to what you're saying, is one of the factors at this point in time. If you look at what the heart, the extreme right are doing in in America, for example. But also in Britain, um, big news outlets, like the state news outlet, like BBC, has been part and parcel of attacking the trans community, attacking trans women. um, And that sort of transphobia, that is a continuation of the, the same sort of thing that oppresses all women and working class, poor and women of colour and, and trans women the most and non-binary people the most, which is that you know these extremely rigid roles that you know were never true never will be true and so on are enforced about what what women should be what men should be and so on and part of that absolutely is pushing a culture of of machismo and um um and therefore the culture of gender violence like one of the things that it, it, it oh, oh deals little testimony there of what it's like to grow up as a as a young person being inspired by me too and the positives of that that like that's just gives you a tiny glimpse of what a mo- a movement can achieve because one of the things that we say like where do these abusers come from like no little you know um a child is born as a horrible abuser the system and society creates that and the sort of you know damaging um deeply damaging macho ideas and um you know male superiority or male uh, you know similar to 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 in terms of racism uh, superiority ideas are 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 absolutely rotten ideas that persist in every way in the state and the system and society and that's where that comes from and movements and struggle based on ideas of solidarity that also stand for Free public housing for taking on the big polluters of capitalism, for um jobs and homes for everybody, all the things that we all so clearly need. Are movements that can done and that absolutely fight every aspect of sexism, misogyny, racism, transphobia. They are, they are the movements that can change also attitudes. You know, Laura. Um, let me interrupt um, like you like real because you at-
0: you're talking about movements that fight. Um, you know, yes. against misogyny, um, you know, feminist movements, and Odile mentioned Me Too, and I, I, you know, we have this um, uh, new example of activists, Me Too activists, um, fighting back and getting, um, I don't know, what what happened with the the tennis player in China? Was she was she yes. kidnapped? She's gone missing. You know, Me Too started with. Uh, celebrities speaking out um and we realize the importance of them doing that but in a in a place like uh, uh China with the type of government that they have uh can you talk a little bit a, a, about yeah. that
4: Definitely Toya and I'll just say like you spoke earlier Toya about how on um, you know one side of the new cold war has a, a, a state eight times the size of Ireland that's just banned abortion and then the other side of the cold war the the, the regime is absolutely um, uh the whole dictatorship, uh, uh, dictatorship's ideology is ultra nationalism and then drumming up this really, really patriarchal, anti-feminist, anti-LGBT kind of uh, hysteria. That's a, a very, very important part of the, the CCP's. D- dictatorships um uh approach but also concretely i'll just say they're they're trying to uh they're going to now limit this from the same sickos that brought you the one child policy they're now going to try and restrict abortion um uh, because they actually need they have they have not enough workers to make profits for the chinese capitalists, and they want to just physically force w- women people who can get pregnant to have children. But anyway, this is the nature of the regime. So yes, Peng shui uh, Peng Shuai, a very, um, uh, you know, a top class international athlete and tennis star made a Me Too disclosure on her social media about a, a top uh, a, a official in the regime. And um, very quickly her, her account was shut down. And basically where is Peng shui? shui is trending on social media in China. She seems to have been dis appeared by the regime some sort of eerie statement came out today purporting to be her saying she's fine and that was that that she was hacked etc but it just it doesn't sound in any way credible but, and this is what you're dealing with in terms of the, the you know, the, the reality facing um, the young people, young feminists in China at this point in time that I will say show the potential to build a working class socialist feminism. They're exactly the same young people standing and trying to organize online to say we need to build independent trade unions. Um, and I'll just say so you have that on the uh, one side. Like in, a, in the US, the other side of the new Cold War, Britney Spears has just been freed from her conservatorship after 13 years. One of the, you know, someone who I'm old enough to like be the same age as, et cetera. And, you know, was this massive superstar, one of the most famous women in the world, a white woman. And she's she literally, <laughs> despite all that privilege, um, was totally incarcerated and um, tied to her abusers by the by the state by to her abusers in our family and even, yeah even trying to control her reproductive i know family. absolutely they, they didn't allow her to her birth. i know like absolutely another example gender violence it's always what is it about it's about trying to control us as people trying to 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 knock our self-esteem to control and and repress us as people in every single way so the whole ideology of of controlling women's bodies is a ideology of gender violence there's no you know a state that doesn't let people control their own bodies and doesn't let women and people get pregnant control their own bodies is a state in which the ideas of gender violence are being promoted from the very 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 top
1: so what do we do laura i mean i think we talked about it and i think we all agree that uh, you know sexism and violence and gender-based violence Mm. and our rights to our bodies and every single element of our lives as women and uh, gender non-conforming people are controlled by a state or controlled by a system that is not going to stop out of the blue um, uh, to to oppress us. So what is the strategy that we need to get rid of it?
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's the key question, isn't it? so, well, the first thing I'd say is, um, you know, in, in the ISA, we have um, uh, been part of uh, launching a Rosa Socialist Feminist International Network and, and, and being part of trying to actively build an international socialist feminist movement. We need to... Um, you know the the sort of Yara mentioned the fact that there hasn't been a huge struggle yet against the Texas abortion ban yet part of the reason for that is the people who sit at the top of 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 supposed feminism you know the establishment of feminism is tied in completely with the status quo tied in completely with the democratic party and they they have a vested interest in not building the type of struggle necessary cuz that struggle is going to be a threat to to the politicians that they that they support and are connected with you know so establishment feminism can offer us nothing that that stays within the confines of a system that oppresses and exploits the majority of the world's population um so brutally um that has you know is bringing hunger at this point in time to so many of the world's um um uh, women and and poor poor working class and women of color um and, pe- and, po- and people in general. Um, and so we need to consciously build a feminism of struggle um, who, and, and, a, and, a, and a feminism of solidarity. Who are our allies? Our allies are the exploited and the oppressed, the millions who've struck and occupied in, in the Neo Men- Unomenos movement in Latin America in recent years. The Netflix workers who walked out in support of their trans siblings against the company's peddling of transphobia for profit. The 3,500 workers who went on strike against gender violence at the Mercedes plant in the Basque country last month because of the femicide of their beloved colleague. uh, Her name was uh, Erica Tavares. Um, and the five thousand um, uh, indigenous women who marched against Bolsonaro in Brazil last month, um, who are on the front line at, at this point in time of the fight against the fight for climate justice, the fight for their own lives, the fight for the future of the planet. In terms of um, uh, you know the just the, the the conscious destruction of the Amazon and um, by the extreme right of capitalism, um, and this fight is is a fight for for the lives of the. The uh, for the future of the planet, for the lives um and rights of the majority of the population, the 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 the, the y- you know specifically on gender violence. Obviously, we need to build a at mo- uh, b- everywhere there's sexism everywhere there's misogyny everywhere there's racism and transphobia we have to fight it any sort of gain that we can make let's do it you know um in ireland at this point in time we're 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 campaigning for an immediate if this is an emergency gender violence domestic violence emergency we need an immediate trebling of all funding for resources but we also need we actually say there there has to be a public inquiry um uh, to root to to ascertain and root out every element of anti-working class prejudice, um, sexism and misogyny, anti-traveller racism, racism in general, um, uh, that exists in in the police, in the state system, in the court system and so on. And and to actually begin, and that inquiry has to be led by uh, feminists and struggle. Um. Uh, you know, anti-racist campaigners themselves, the trade union uh, uh, activists, and and actually like begin to begin a massive discussion in society about how we can exert democratic control over these institutions that don't, you know, so clearly go against our interests. Um, and uh, you know we need to build a movement for public housing. The the in Berlin at this point in time, to- in the recent weeks and months, the you know, nurses have been on strike in Charité Hospital. a Really important struggle, but also this huge victory has been won, and now it has to be pushed further in terms of taking on the um, uh, vulture funds and so on that control housing. Um, Yeah, we need a program to essentially take on the power of the capitalist establishment in every regard, and to disempower them. To 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 put democratic, working class, public ownership of the key resources um, and key levers of the economy into public hands, and to begin to make a, a plan of the economy according to people's needs and that kind of, if you like, revolutionary movement that cannot possibly be built without us shaking up and changing every single, you know, reactionary backward um, idea that is out there and exists. And Odile's tiny little example in terms of her own situation as a young person and the effects of Me Too and and the beginning of a feminist movement developing in Belgium shows how much such a, what a struggle and a movement like this could achieve, but it's vital. The polarisation, the rise of the extreme right, we have to build this sort of socialist left and socialist feminism is is the way of struggle
0: in terms of all of these issues. I totally agree, Laura. You inspire me every time I hear you. I know that you, um, you know, you're located in Ireland. Um, we also have Rosa in Ireland that you know led the way for for many socialist feminist um, activists. But we have Rosa all over the 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 world. So if you want to get involved in a socialist feminist fight, um, uh, you can check out our uh, website. Um, which is in the description below. I want to thank all of our guests here today. This was such an excellent episode, especially thanks to you, um, Lauren T. for for returning and Odile. We hope to see you again um, real soon.
5: Wow,
1: what an amazing episode. I, I always love doing the socialist feminist episodes. I feel like they always teach me so much. And because it's such an international movement and we are an international organization, it's always amazing to hear from our members on the ground, but also, like Toya said at the start, to learn where where this is coming from and how we can fight against it. So uh, I wanna thank everyone, uh, but also we have obviously the shout out of the week this week. Um, and I think you can guess from the start of this episode that the shout out of the week today is uh, our, our members that went to COP26. I wanna thank everyone Uh, for coming obviously it was an amazing event we talked about it uh, uh, a lot and I can I cannot shut up about it Uh, I think every single person that uh, went to cop with us left so inspired what's even burnout you know all really like looking forward to continue to fight uh, both against uh, climate change but generally for a better future Uh, like Laura said uh, against oppression as well And uh, for a socialist world. So, we're gonna put in a little clip from COP26 so you can see our block in action. And trust me, there was a lot of action. You hear me now uh, with my voice, but I did not have it for about three whole days. So, uh, it was amazing. So, uh, take a look at the video and then we'll see you next week.
0: This is World to Win. Every Sunday, we broadcast with speakers from across the globe, bringing you the latest news and analysis on the fast-moving global events from a socialist perspective. Subscribe to the International Socialist Alternatives YouTube page, and click the bell to get notified when we go live for a new episode. Like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, because there's a lot to do, and we have a world to win.
5: Let me fight!
0: We Let me fight! We fight! We fight! Solidarity!